there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for Coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Hope your week is going well. Hope things in your internship or at school are also going wonderfully. I am so excited about my next guest because really until 2016, she was one of you. I think she may still qualify as a Java junkie and she has so many wonderful insights to share with you. So if you don't have your coffee at hand, quickly go grab it because it is time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest is Sanam Rostegar a senior associate at McClarty Associates, which is a boutique consulting firm in the field of private sector diplomacy, and it is for the private sector. And in this role, she supports the president and co-founder, Nelson Cunningham, along with McClarty's New York-based financial advisory practice. Prior to joining McClarty Associates, Sanam interned at Hermes of Paris, McLaren, and the Independent Talent Group. She speaks fluent Farsi and French, is proficient in Mandarin, and speaks Spanish conversationally. Sanam, welcome to Time for Coffee. How's it going? It's going very well. Thank you so much for having me. Wonderful. Well, I know because we've already done the espresso shots that you are caffeinated, but not with coffee. (laughs) Are you still ready to go? Still ready to go. Wonderful. So let's dive into your current role as senior associate at McClarty. You were until fairly recently an associate. So if you would be so kind as to take Java junkies inside the job of associate and senior associate. Absolutely. As associate, I was primarily serving as the assistant to the president of the firm, Nelson Cunningham, whom you mentioned. And in that capacity, it was a very admin heavy role, but I was supporting Nelson in his day to day life. So that's everything from scheduling, planning trips, conference calls, taking notes in some meetings, helping him with research for client related work, or perhaps when he was writing an op ed and helping on processing contracts, invoices, really all of that nitty gritty day to day stuff. And those are things that are just key to your foundation and becoming proficient and efficient in those types of day-to-day functions. In my senior associate role, it's a bit more big picture. I'm helping a bit more on business development, client relationships. I still have that element of research and some administrative responsibilities. I'm also helping a lot with our internal firm initiatives. So things like our social media strategy and postings, and I would say more of the project-oriented rather than fast-paced day-to-day. So when you say that you're working on things like business development, can you give an example? Sure. That could be sitting down with one of our regional practices and talking to them about potential clients that they've met with and figuring out how we would be able to help those clients. How should we be pitching to those clients? Maybe looking for clients that may not be on our radar and putting them on our radar. And on top of that, our continued client service. If there's a client who needs something from us that maybe is not needed from a regional practice that I could help out with, I will always try and assist in that capacity. But of course, still being in a more junior level, I am a senior associate, but I'm only 24 years old. And this is only my the beginning of my third year at McClarty. 
there's a lot of admin and research and the the nitty gritty of the day to day that will still play into that role. So take me, take us inside a typical day on the job. If we were a fly on the wall in your office, what would we be seeing and hearing? What are your hours like? What is, how do you break up your day? That's a great question because no day is the same, which is a good problem to have because it makes every day interesting and different. I would say an average day would perhaps start with a staff meeting. And during that time, I'd be the person who would be taking notes and keeping track of any follow-up items, both internally or for business development. And then after that, I'd type up my notes, I'd sort through them and send them out to the right people on our team. Maybe then I'd spend a bit of time doing some email catch-up. That's everything from responding to internal messages, helping facilitate things at the office, following up with the client, tracking some events, setting up meetings, things like that. And then I might hunker down on a project or two. So for a while, I was planning our firm's 20th anniversary party. And that meant being in touch with caterers and AV companies and picking linens, things that I wouldn't (laughs) expect to be doing, but the important things that need to be done to throw a great party. And then uh, now, like I said, I'm doing a lot of our social media work at the firm. So being ready to post some items on our Twitter account and read through some of the op-eds that our team has produced and pulling out quotes from those that we want to highlight, things like that. And then I might have one or two internal meetings. Normally for me at this stage, I'm not meeting with clients. I sometimes have the great fortune of also being a fly on the wall and going to a meeting with Nelson or another director. But generally, these would be more internal meetings, aligning on a specific topic or project, making sure we're all in the same place. I think on average, I would work about 10 hours a day. That varies day to day, of course. In my previous role, I was probably working more hours than I am now, just because I have the flexibility to work project by project now, instead of being you know, fully available as Nelson's assistant in that previous role. But there are days, and I think that's the same with any role, where you have to show up at 7.30 and maybe leave at 9.30 at night. And that's not the norm. But I think at this stage too, it's not a bad thing to put in those extra hours and really produce the best work that you can. How do you manage the minutia without dropping any balls? It takes dropping some balls to learn. <laughs> so I have definitely sent Nelson to the wrong venue for an event before. I'm sorry about that, Nelson. And I think just making those little mistakes early on really teach you not to do them again. And on top of that, I'm a big list person. I had actually, I went through a few different systems before I found what worked for me. So I have various lists. I have my to-dos for my director. I have the to-dos for myself. I have a longer term to-do list and things that need follow-ups. And for me, just having that visual just helps me tick through them really quickly and make sure that I'm on top of everything. I also send myself a lot of notes. So if it's 9.30 at night and I'm watching a TV show and I've thought of something that I forgot, I send myself an email, (laughs) subject line, don't forget to do this. But I actually am someone who procrastinates a lot. So for me, trying to be a lot more focused on how I manage my work, those minutia, the timing of things, being more focused on that has been really, really helpful to me, I think, in, in growing as a professional. Recently, Sanam, I interviewed Professor Cal Newport, who is a computer science professor at Georgetown University. In fact, when you and I met at that book party, one of your new colleagues recommended that I interview Professor Newport. He has written five books, one of which is called Deep Work. And in the book, he encourages everyone, including your generation, to put aside social media because it's so distracting and 
it also, the way that it affects the brain precludes you from really being able to do the deep work. And I'm thinking right now, as you mention all of your various responsibilities, some of which includes doing research in which you really need to have focus. How do you manage to juggle all of the scheduling? And I recognize now you're not doing as much of that, but how do you manage the admin with the, the work that requires more brain power? I, I would say it's trial and error. You just have to practice different systems that work for you. I That comment you made about social media and, and deep work, I am guilty as charged in having my phone right next to me during most of the day. But you just have to be very disciplined with yourself. For me, there if I know that I have to power through 10 items between 10 and 12 one day, I will put my phone aside. I have all the notifications that I need on my computer anyways, if I need to be, if I'm getting a text from a colleague or we operate on Slack now. So if I get that notification, I'll see that on my computer anyways. So just being disciplined with yourself, put your phone aside, don't respond to your friend's text. I know sometimes it's just one second or two seconds to type that up, but I found that I can get distracted so easily and you really do lose that focus. So I think being strict with yourself on those things and also don't be afraid to try different systems and see what works best for you because everyone is different. And I would say when I had that admin focus role and a lot of scheduling. I had one system that worked better for me. And now with my new responsibilities, I'm trying to think of another system that might be more appropriate for my new role. Sanam, in the introduction, I mentioned I rattled off that rather long list of languages that you speak fluently, either native or at fluency. And it's quite long. (laughs) Are you finding in your job whether as associate or now as senior associate at McClarty, those languages other than English coming in handy in your day-to-day work? They have. I would say more on occasion than day-to-day. If we have either at a a work event or with a potential client or a current client, there are a lot of people who are Iranian-Americans, and it's nice being able to strike up a conversation in Farsi with someone that's passing by the office. And I've also had the opportunity, if someone speaks Chinese or French, to communicate with them in those languages as well. Because I work with the president and it's more, we would say, our global practice, I'm not spending my day-to-day focus on any of these languages. You know, our Latin America practice, everyone is fluent in Spanish. They're using their Spanish every day for calls, emails, and meetings. But I have not had to do that on a daily basis or had the chance to do that. But I have had wonderful opportunities. I was actually in vacation in Paris this past June, and it coincided with the time that Nelson was there for work. And I had the opportunity to sit in on a meeting and get to use my French and enjoy that experience. So I think having that language capability for me has been great. It's opened a few more opportunities and doors, but it doesn't come into play on a very regular basis. For our Java junkies who may be considering getting into the consulting world. Do you have any insights that you could share with regards to cutting through some of the gobbledygook that appears in job descriptions? What are some of the key functions, key titles and things that they should be looking for saying, yes, that's definitely something that you want to make sure that you have for your entry level position? And what are the red flags that you think they should watch out for? I probably can't speak to the red flags as well, only because when I looked at the job description to be Nelson's assistant, it was a very 
honest job description and that it mentioned a lot of the administrative work that would be part of the job. And the job title at the time before I became associate was executive assistant. And in my mind, I thought, well, being an assistant may not be a lot of fun. I don't want to sit and do scheduling all day. But then I realized, actually, this is great because these are key skills that I'm going to need to learn. So look in that job description and see, are these skills that I have or don't have and I need to work on and develop in order to be successful down the road. And I saw those in that description. And I think more importantly, you should look at who's the person I'm going to be working with. Is there someone I'm going to be reporting to? Am I going to be part of a team? Do I have to be self-sufficient? And decide if those types of descriptions match your personality. I was really excited to know that my role would be specifically working with Nelson. And I thought this is a great chance, no matter how much admin I have to do, to shadow a really interesting impressive, respected person for two years and learn all that I can from him. And if that means I have to do some scheduling along the way, then great. I learned how to schedule in four different time zones. So I would just keep an eye out for those specific titles, specific skills that you would be able to work on and learn. If there's something that you see in there that let's say it's a research focused job, I'm not a big fan of researching. I don't think that's my strength either. I love writing, but I'm not a big fan of it. I think I prefer the more business development side of the work that I'm doing now. So I probably wouldn't have picked a job that was more research focused. And I think at the end of the day, if you're excited to work with a specific individual or a specific firm, if you would be proud you work with that person or at that place, then that's a good sign to follow. I think that is such great advice to do research on the person that you know you're going to be reporting to. See what they've done. See what they've accomplished. See what you could learn by being in their orbit instead of just looking at what your job functions will be. It is so important to know that there are intangibles that come along with these entry-level positions that you can't put a price on. Absolutely. And I'm so grateful that I work somewhere where my boss actually cares about my professional development as well. And he actually, we went to the same school and I think having the same alma mater also helps, but he really supports my wanting to get involved in more senior level work. I may not be able to actually be hands-on in those roles, but to be in a meeting with him and listen along and take notes and to not just have the the day-to-day admin work and have those greater opportunities. I'm very grateful that he supports that in my professional growth as well. So Sanam, you mentioned at least once the fact that you knew the position as whether executive assistant or associate was for two years. Was that something that you had clarified before you began the job? Yes, it was. I was told prior to accepting the position that the expectation is to be in this role for two years. And the reasoning behind that was it takes a bit of time to get comfortable in the role. We always say it takes three months to kind of figure out what you're doing, six months to have a better hang of what you're doing and about a year to actually be really good at what you're doing and confident in your work. And that gives you a year to figure things out and a year to really excel in that role. And also to be efficient so that you can spend the extra time that you have focusing on other opportunities that may come up in the workspace. And I think those two years were really perfect for me. And I think it's the right timing to set. Of course, we have a lot of associates who have stayed for more than two years. And oftentimes, if an amazing opportunity comes up, they'll stay for less than that. But generally, the average, I would say, is two years. So Sanam, you mentioned that you and your boss went to the same university. You graduated from Yale in May of 2016. Your major was in global affairs. Did you know what you were going to do with that degree when you graduated? 
I had no clue. I did not know what I would be doing with it until about, I think, April or May before I graduated. So I started looking at the more traditional consulting path. So the Bain and the McKinsey's where you would be traveling Monday through Thursday. And it's a still business consulting, but in a different space. And then I was looking at jobs in finance, in wealth management, completely other side of the spectrum. I looked at PR firms. I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I had a sense that I wanted to be in a client facing or in a people facing role because I don't like to be hiding behind a computer. I love speaking with people and engaging with people. And when I learned about this position at McClarty, it just seemed like a great way to both build my skill set and to also meet those hopes that I had in a role of being able to interact with a great team and with a lot of impressive individuals, both at the firm and in Washington, D.C. I think I remember you telling me this, but correct me if I'm wrong. Did you meet Nelson because he came and recruited at Yale or how did you come across the McClarty Associates position? So Nelson had... There, our job postings go up in kind of the normal spaces on the website. We'll post it on LinkedIn and also through a few universities in the D.C. area. But Nelson's team had shared a job posting with someone in our major, in the global affairs major at Yale. And someone circulated that to the students in the major and said, if you guys are interested in applying, we know this firm and we know the director and we we highly encourage you to apply. I was actually on spring break at the time and I was skiing with my family. There was a snowstorm, so decided to take an easy day. So it was the one time over vacation that I actually paid attention to my email. And I'm so grateful that I did. And I just thought, can't hurt to apply. I didn't think I would end up in DC. It's not something I had really considered, but everything happened so organically from there. I just really enjoyed my interviews with the various people on the team. And my father actually really encouraged me to take this role because he had had an assistant type position in his entry level job. And he just said he learned so much from it. He was so impressed by the person that he was working for, the firm that he was working for. And he really encouraged that type of experience. So I couldn't really say no to it. (laughs) (laughs) You also studied Mandarin while you were at Yale and you did extensive language study in China. Were there other things that you did in addition to just hitting the books, whether it was different clubs or extracurriculars or internships that you would like to share with our Java junkies as valuable now in hindsight that you experienced these different things in the working world? Definitely. I was on the varsity sailing team at school and I was on the team for four years and had probably the best experience. I think my college experience would not have been the same without being on the team. And it just gives you the opportunity to be in a lot of different roles and give yourself the opportunity to hopefully thrive in the non-academic space. So there are a lot of leadership opportunities that come up with being on a team. You get to work as a team and really learn how to learn from other people and, and learn to be a follower as well as a leader. I know people say that a lot, but I think that's truly important. And I actually ended up planning a, along with one of my very close friends, we planned a regatta for a full weekend at Yale where we had sailors coming from all around the country and all around the world. And it involved three days of sailing, a full cater dinner for everyone, lots of, it was basically a massive event to plan. And now I realize that in the, I was wondering why I enjoyed event planning so much at, at work. And it, having that experience has helped so much, especially in planning that big 20th anniversary party for our firm that I had mentioned to you. Yeah. I would also encourage, even if you're not on a sports team, to pick another activity 
to be part of. I think, as I said, it'll give you the opportunity to hone different skills that you might have, but it's also a great outlet for yourself. Just it's important to hit the books. It's important to study hard. I probably should have studied hard, studied harder than I did, but it's, I think really important to give yourself an opportunity to step away from the books and grow as a person as well as a student. What about your internships? I listed them off. I didn't clarify that they were internships, but you worked at the Independent Talent Group. I don't know what that is, if you would want to talk about it, at McLaren, which I know is the company that, among other things, has all kinds of baby carriages. And then, of course, Hermes, which is the wonderful fashion house in in Paris. Yes, I really enjoyed my, I enjoyed all of my internships, but I would say Hermes was one of the the funnest places to, to work. I was based in their New York office and I was in their Art de la Table division, which is the tableware, flatware, and their glassware. And I was working out of their showroom with their merchandising team. Not something that I thought I would be doing, but I, you know, as a girl, I love fashion and I was enamored with the brand, but getting to see the ins and outs of that and the, the, amount of detail and attention that's paid to these beautiful products was very interesting to me. And to learn about a different industry and how that business operated was a great experience. And also fun to be in New York for a summer. Absolutely. What is the Independent Talent Group? It is a talent agency based in London. So my cousin actually is a top talent agent there. And I had the great opportunity when I was in London for a summer to to work alongside and shadow her through that experience. And what were you doing? Getting to read film scripts and see what these talent agents were talking about. I helped kind of manage the feedback processes a bit. So if there were emails and meetings, I kind of helped a little bit on the admin side. This was one of my very, very first internships. So I was kind of newer to the working world. And I think it was more of a shadowing experience than it was a an intense internship the way the Hermes one was. Did you get to review any scripts that have since been produced? I think it was already produced at the time, but one of the Pirates of the Caribbean film scripts was there, and that was pretty cool. Ooh, <laughs> but I think the film great. was already out then, so I didn't feel like I got too much of a sneak peek. <laughs> <laughs> Sanam, if you would, one of the questions that I tried to ask all time for coffee guests is whether they've had an experience in their career. And I recognize that your professional career is really just beginning, but a low point for you when you found that you really had to dig deep to keep going. I've interviewed people who've talked about being fired, who've dropped a really big ball, who had a terrible boss or supervisor or whatever the case may be. Have you had an experience that was really hard for you in which you had to dig deep to keep going? As you mentioned, I'm only just past the two-year mark in my professional career. And there have certainly been some challenging moments in any job, but I think I've been so grateful that I have really had an overall positive experience. I would say one instance where I was, I think, struggling personally and professionally was this past May. I was planning as I mentioned, this 20th anniversary party it was for over 300 guests, the 20th anniversary of our firm. So a lot of pressure to make sure it was special and, and perfect for our firm and for our leadership. And then at the same time, I was hiring for my replacement. I was doing my normal day-to-day job as Nelson's assistant, and I was already starting my new responsibilities as senior associate. So I was slowly losing my mind. <laughs> it was a really 
challenging time in my position, but I found it to be very rewarding. And I was lucky that everything ended up working out in a really great way. So I'm really proud of how I worked through all of that. But I found myself getting overly stressed and overly anxious. And I think that's a lot of pressure that I put on myself that wasn't even coming from my boss or anyone else. So I think that my biggest lesson from that was being able to take a step back, realize that probably things will only get harder from this stage in my (laughs) career and knowing how to manage that. And I, that's my advice to, to anyone out there earlier in their career or still in school. Don't put that unnecessary stress on yourself. Just think about, okay, how can I break this down? How can I accomplish these tasks and how can I succeed in them? It's not always that easy, but being able to remove yourself from the situation just for a moment and have that time of calm to think about how to get things done, I think is very important. Absolutely. And if I could just add, even though I'm sure you felt like you were burning the candle at both ends to try to make sure to get enough sleep, because when you're sleep deprived, it makes everything seem so much worse. Absolutely. (laughs) And there are other things that Java junkies can do, of course, like exercise, do meditation, other ways of managing your stress that that can help. And certainly the Time for Coffee website offers various suggestions too. So Sanam, final Time for Coffee question here. If you could go back all the way back to 2016 and do (laughs) your college experience all over again, based on the wisdom that you have today, what advice would you give yourself? I would say maybe three things. The first thing is just what we talked about. Don't stress yourself out too much. Be serious, be focused, but don't overwhelm yourself when you don't need to. The second thing is to take advantage of the resources and the people around you. I really thought back and I did this exercise a bit recently. I as you mentioned, meditating is very good. And I try to meditate once in a while. And I've tried to have a bit of self-reflection. And I really felt that I didn't take advantage of the resources that Yale offered me, whether that was the library, the career services, or just the people around me. I was surrounded by amazing people on the sailing team in my classes, but you forget what a wide network is around you at any school that you're at. So take advantage of those opportunities to interact with people, to use the resources provided to you for those four years so that when you graduate, you don't think, huh, I kind of wish I did that one time, or I kind of wish I went to the Yale Art Gallery one more time, (laughs) because now you don't have that same chance. And lastly, I would say study hard. I know I just said you should take a step back and have time for yourself, but grades still do matter. You're trying to set yourself up for a strong career. You might want to go back to graduate school and you don't want to think back and say, oh, I wish I put in a little bit more effort into that essay. I'm definitely the person who waited to the last minute to write a lot of my essays, but just work that much harder, put in that much more effort to turn that B plus into an A minus and really set yourself up for success when you know that you are so capable of it. Fantastic. Sanam Rastagar, I want to say you are clearly such a remarkable young woman, and I'm sure you have an incredibly bright future ahead of you. I want to thank you so much for making Time for Coffee with me and with the Time for Coffee community today. I truly enjoyed learning more about you and learning more about your profession to this point. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure to speak with you. And I'm certainly no expert in what I'm doing, but I hope that even one or two of the small nuggets that I shared might be of help to someone listening. I have no doubt they will be. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you 
always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much.